Now, we're studying a series from the book of First Corinthians chapter 13, and the series is called Relationship Goals. And I don't know about you, but relationships are a big deal. <laughs> They're kind of important. <laughs> They're technically overdue. But I think along the road, al along life, relationships tend to be a little bit more exhausting because we're doing them with people. So for a lot of us, we say to have relationship with stuff. So we put all our energy on creating lives that are built around stuff. But as we've known over time that no matter how much stuff you have, if you don't have people in your life, life is almost pointless. So our goal in this conversation is beyond talking about dating. Because that, that would be the easiest thing for us to start. Like, hey, this is how, you know, we date. Like, no, that's not really how. Oh, this is how man looks like. But the reason we're just looking at relationships is because I don't know about you, but for me, the challenge over time has been, you know what, I'll ignore all relationships, and one day I'll just meet this one person who completely changed my whole life. So I carry that pressure, put it on my wife. Like, oh, you know, important relationship and somehow I'll grow muscles to love someone when I meet this special someone. And us, for a lot of us we know it's been hard and it's hard because you cannot just expect to grow muscles specifically for that one person while you're ignoring everyone and everything besides you. So our goal and hope is in this series we're going to hear stories of real people real places that are fighting for love, that are trusting God to in love. Because life without relationships is hard. It's a little bit more complicated. It's a little bit more frustrating. Empty, if I would say. Now, to say that, it's almost does our generation love and enjoy cutting people off? Come on now. Huh? Like we are for that celebrate. Even about New Year's resolutions. How many of that you have seen are about I'm going to cut people off? Not I'm going to love. I'm going to cut people off. And somehow we've made that a normal thing because we've convinced ourselves that everyone is toxic apart from us. You are toxic. I'm the good one. So as a good one, I would just rather live in my own world because when you show up in that world, you're going to point out that I'm selfish. And I think you're the one who is selfish. We've created toxic lives. We celebrate cutting people off. And then we are surprised when our actual romantic relationships don't work. We're surprised when the relationships we want to work don't work simply because we have been cutting people off. 
And they're like, I, God, I need this one. And then God goes like, okay. And then we get in that relationship. It doesn't work. Then we go back to God and say, God, that was your problem. We pull an Adam. It is the woman you gave me. Like, it. She didn't say it. It's you. So as we're starting this series, I want you to start asking yourself, what have you believed about love and why? Have you believed that is what love is? Why? What is the truth that you're running with? If I asked you, what is love? What are you going to say? Are you going to give me the Bible answer that you don't believe in, but it's the right answer to give? Because I think that's what a lot of us do. We have the answer. We tell people what love is. But in reality, that's not what we believe in. Now, when we come to the Bible, the Bible has so much to say about love. And, and this is why I love the Bible. Read your Bibles, people. Amen? Read your Bibles. So, so you come to this passage that starts with <laughs> almost a phrase that is like a little bit more offensive. And the reason why I'm saying that is we are people that value things differently from who God is and what God invites us to value. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, Paul starts talking about what love really is. But if you notice before chapter 13 in chapter 12, he's talking about something all of us we love. Something that we all look forward to. Something we all celebrate. Something that actually a lot of us feel important because we have it or feel worthless because we don't have. So Paul speaks through scripture and goes to chapter 12 and talks about gifts. And we love gifts. We love people that are gifted. We love people that have stuff, people that can bring something to the table. And Paul talks about all these gifts, but then he comes to this place where he says, yeah, those things are there, but let me show you something that's more excellent. Wait, what do you mean something more excellent? No, 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 there's something that's more excellent. Let me show you an excellent way. Something that's beyond the gift. Something that's beyond the things you are looking for. Something you will look at and feel like, oh my God, what is that? So if you have your Bibles, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. But if you can go to chapter 12 from verse 27, this is what scripture says. It's not up in the screen. I'm just reading for the sake of context. Now, you're the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, teachers, mirac uh, then miracles and gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all possess gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret? but earnestly desire the higher gifts. And I'll show you a still more excellent way. So he's saying, are all people gifted the same? No. Why? Because the body is diverse. You and me come into this room from different backgrounds, with different skills, with different stuff we bring to the table. Our temptation 
is to look at each other and go like, man, I think we need that gift, so maybe that person is more important. I think we love that gift, so maybe that gift is important. And, and you know what has happened over the years? Over the years, because we have valued gifts more than we value people, we have turned pastors, leaders, prophets into gods. Because we can't live without their gifts. So Paul is like, no, 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 no. You're the body. You're diverse. You're different. You are together. But you know what's more important than all the things you have, all the things you bring to the table? It's love. It's love. It's love. We love to focus on gifts. Gifts. And I think like the church has used gifted people to bully the world. We have used our most eloquent people that can create amazing philosophies and backups to promote racism. To promote the candidates we love. To promote the agendas we have. To promote the lifestyles we think everyone should build their lives around. So by the end of the day, people look at the church and all they go like is, man, you guys don't love each other. And we're like, no, 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 no. It's not about love. It's about being right. Come on. That we've made church and Christianity about being more right than being more loving. To the point that when Jesus invites us to say, they'll know you by how you love one another, we're like, no, we have a better vision. They'll know you by how right you are. They'll know you by your suits, not by your fruits. They'll know you by all the so, so we've created a whole lifestyle. And church is simply a bunch of places we go to checklist. Because maybe if the church is right and I miss church, uh, heaven will be complicated. So it's not because we feel loved. It's not because we are known. It's not because we're experiencing something that's so life-changing. Simply because they have convinced us eloquently that we are really, really bad unless we show up to church, unless we give, unless we are able to do stuff, unless we're able to serve, unless, unless, unless. So Paul is speaking to a people that grew up worshiping pagans. And Paul is like, yeah, gifts are good. Gifts are important for the church. But you can actually live without those gifts. They're important. They should be celebrated, but they're not the ultimate for the church. And, and, and Paul is just sitting and inviting people to see that, no, 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 no. You have valued gifts more than people. So even when gifted people are messing up, we say nothing. Because their gift is more important than what they're doing to people. When gifted people are hurting young men and women... We say nothing because they are gifted and maybe we might be called out to be jealous. And we like, we protect these people. Because we have overvalued what gifts are. We have made life, we've made church about gifted people. And I bet if we didn't know how to speak to an extent, a lot of people would not even show up to church. Despite being a church that loves one another, but we ju it's just like, you know what, 
the messages don't click with me. I love the people. I love everyone. Blah, 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 blah. But that's how we've created church to be. That we value more the gifts, the musicians, the, the preaching, the teaching, the, the cool, you know, uh, PowerPoints and all this other thing. We value those things beyond what God actually values. So Paul says it this way. If I speak, verse 1, chapter 13, in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy or a clan. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries, like, yeah, I would want to attend that church, and all knowledge, like, man, that's a person I want to know, and if I have all faith, that's the best friend I should have because he can do all things through Christ who gives him strength. So as to move mountains, but have no love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have no love, I gain nothing. Now, I want you to s just step back a little bit. What are the things about Christianity that have challenged you over the years? I bet you have heard messages about just have more faith and God will do amazing, great things. You've heard the message, the gospel of the cross, that Jesus went to the cross and gave everything up. You should do the same. Give yourself up. Haven't you heard that? You have. You've heard it before. That just dig deep and get rooted in God's word and just build your life on that and, and your life will be different. You'll be wise and you'll be an anointed man or woman of God. Haven't you heard that? And Paul is like, yeah, you, yeah. Those are good things. But if that's all your life is about, you're completely empty. You're nothing. Like, whoa, whoa, in Jesus I'm everything. And Paul is like, no. <laughs> If your life is simply about the stuff and the gifts you're pursuing, your life is nothing. Like, what do you mean my life is nothing? Why, why do you want my life to be more than the things I can do? Like, no, that's not the right question. Why are you making your life all about the things you can do with your gifts? So Paul comes back and says, if your life is simply about speaking in tongues. And, and when these guys were hearing this, Paul was talking hypothetically to them. He was like, imagine if I was able to speak the tongues of angels. Wouldn't you say that's a really man of God going right there? Imagine if I just walked in prophecy so amazing, it was dripping. Wouldn't, wouldn't that be a man of God you want to follow? And then he says, but do you know that all that is nothing? If I cannot love you, if I cannot love people in here, do you know that that is nothing? Do you know that that is empty? Do you know that if gifts are all you have, you have nothing? You don't have anything? No, 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 but I have influence. 
Oh, but I have anointing. Not even anointing, anointing. And this is, you have nothing. Why? Because we think we are more useful when we are gifted. You and me have that trouble. That we think we are more useful. Can we go to the next slide, please? We think we are more useful when we are gifted. So we grow our ambitions and skills. But God says we are more useful when we are loving. God says we are more useful when we are loving. That your life is more useful when you are loving. That if you, even if you don't have gifts, but you are loving, you are more useful than the greatest apostle that is there living in the world right now. If you are more loving, you are more of a value to the kingdom than people that are gifted. But, but to an extent, we've kind of flipped it. We're like, you know what? We love gifted people. We love, gif we love gifted artists, right? So we flock towards them. We love gifted friends, so we build our lives around them and we celebrate them. We invite them to our parties and all the things. But we are more useful to God. We are more useful to the church. We are more useful in our families when we are loving than when we have gifts. A lot of us have built our lives around I don't know about you. My dad was a busy man. We love each other now to death. But growing up, he was so busy, he was not there most of the times around Christmas and all the important stuff. But one thing that we all were sure were, man, their gifts will be important. And if he can only pay for my school fees, if he can only give me that stuff, if, if he, if, if. So our relationship up until around 2010 was a transactional relationship. You have stuff. I need stuff. Yeah. Plus, I call you dad. You get the day. You know what I mean? Like, you win by the end of the day. I call you dad. You give me stuff. I need stuff. We sorted. But I'm grateful to God that he... Me and my dad are tight now. We call each other almost every other day. So cool. And weird now. Because just like, bruh, you just, just wanted to call? That's cool. But what I'm saying is for a lot of us, because of how I grew up, I was almost built in a way that I think if I only give people gifts and not grow my love for them, they will be fine. If I can just know Joseph and just give Joseph my gifts, that's all he needs in his life. Now, when you come to the Bible and God describes how he loved us, it starts with, for God had so many gifts that he gave us and then later on told us that he loved us. No, no, it says, and then for God so loved that he did not hold anything because he loved. And, and that, <laughs> not holding anything, you find it in Matthew as we just finished the series, that it was God with us. God showing up to be 
with us, not to give us stuff. The gift God gave us was himself. That is what love is. That God's gift was himself. And, and sometimes we build relationships that are around gifts that avoid us connecting with people. As far as I can just give to flood, you know what I mean? Like, they're just, they're just tired. They won't know my name. I won't have to talk to those boring people, you know what I mean? Like, complicated, boring people. You add complicated and boring, you make church, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, no more everyday people. We think we're more useful when we are gifted. So we celebrate gifts. We build stages around gifts. We put light around gifts. Then the other thing is our measure of where we stand with God is also messed up. Because we think the more we are gifted, the more right standing we have with God. So we measure our standing with God when we have power. Let's pause there. To an extent, don't we feel more approved and don't we celebrate testimonies that show a level of overcoming something that was hard, therefore you're on top of it and you have power? To an extent, we are built to think you're standing with God is measured when you have power and when you even can explain it. When you can talk about it. When you can convince people. Our measure of where we stand with God is not in power. is not in speech. is not in knowledge. And it's not in faith. Is faith important? Yes. But you know what God says faith is about? Faith is a gift from God. Actually, your salvation is a gift from God. Your faith came by hearing. Hearing what? The word of God. So even faith is not your faith. It's a gift from God. It's God's gift. The, the knowledge, man, we, we know so much about God. And here at Flood, we, we've been going through this series that we go through books and long conversations that sometimes feels like, do we really have to do 13 weeks on this chapter? Or we can sit in one sitting and we're done. No, no, because we want to learn. We want to dig deep. We want to have healthy knowledge because the right knowing of who God is leads to right worship in who God is. That, that's our goal. That's, that's our heart. But knowledge is not the measure of where we stand with God. Our love for God is the measure of where we stand with God. And God will even put it this way. Your love for people is evidence that you love me. And, and sometimes we're like, no, 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 no. If I can recite more verses, if I can read a chapter to you by heart, maybe I'm standing right with God. And God is like, no. That's not it. That's not it. God measures who we are and where we are based on love. And the spirit of God, and, and this is my favorite. This is my favorite. God measures who we are and where we are based on love, not on activities. 
not activity. Now, who agrees that people are complicated? Who agrees with me that people can really be hard to love? Who agrees with me that sometimes you just don't want to meet people in your day? <laughs> and it's not even an introvert thing, you know what I mean? <laughs> just like, this is a human thing. Now, who agrees that in this church there are people? Who agrees with me that you're sitting next to people? So the complicated, hard people are the ones you are sitting next to. Who has ever been failed by people? Disappointed by people? Got angered by people? And sometimes dogs and cats. Hallelujah. <laughs> what am I saying? It's sometimes our definition of love is so empty that it has nothing to do with people. But God wants our definition of love to be so powerful that it is about people. That God is inviting us to love people that are hard, complicated, learning to figure who God is. God wants us to love those people. So God measures who we are and where we are based on love. And, and this is the thing. Because people are complicated, we justify not loving people. Now, I'm going to do this one more time, and, 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 and I'm done doing this today. Who has believed in Jesus as Lord and Savior? Just put your hand up. And who believes that that happened because the Spirit of God caused you to fall in love with God? Okay. The next point is for you. The Spirit of God in you cannot make you hate what God is doing in other people through the Spirit of God. Cannot. Cannot happen. The Spirit of God cannot cause you to hate the person you're sitting next to. Because we fail to love one another in a space like this, we fail to love one another when we are dating. We fail to love one another when we are courting. We fail to love one another when we are in marriage. Whatever, because we choose when and how to love. When God has specifically given us how, we should. So because we cannot choose, this is what God does. God draws us to each other despite our reasons to cut our lives off from each other. So my question is simple. Who have you cut off in your life? Because they are human. Who are very complicated in your life that you don't want anything to do with not simply because God wants you to do nothing to do with them, but simply because you don't like them. There's this one thing I love to love when I meet people. They just hate other people because their friend said those people, they don't like them. 
we like we inherit hate for other people. You know what I mean? Like my cousin hates you, I'm just going to hate you. Like, do you know me? No, but my cousin said, huh. What are you believing about love? That is complicating how you love your neighbors, your siblings, your parents, your children, your grannies, people that work for you, people that you don't know, people that in your head there's nothing God doing with them. That there's no way God is working with the person that works for you. There's no way God is doing something through that minibus driver. Like he already cuts you off. I'm just going to cut him off. Literally, I don't want anything to do. Like, do you think when you go out of that door, God is actually working in a city through those random, complicated people? Do you think maybe it's time we develop a theology that loves people? regardless of them agreeing with what we believe. So here's my heart. My heart is here. Three things. And, and, and um, this is foundational. This is the intro. So this is not like doing justice to the rest of the series. One, giftedness does not mean you're approved by God. You are not your gifts. No, say, say it with you. I am not my gifts. You, you are not your gifts. There's so much of who you are. There's so much about you <laughs> beyond the definitions that are simply based on what you see. And my favorite Business does not mean accepted. If you're busy with the things of God, not mean God accepts you doing the things of God. If you are doing ministry, serving in this church, and simply being busy without loving God, that is empty. That is so empty. If all you have is your activities in the church. Man, your definition of love is so empty and exhausting. Because then, this is what happens. You only feel more loved when you do more stuff, right? And you never get to do more stuff. You always feel short. Because you being loved is dependent on what you bring to the table. What you can do for God. You feeling accepted by God, you being known by God is based on how much God is noticing what you're doing. Nothing. If that's all you have, it's empty. I feel sorry for you. It's, it's empty. Giftedness is not a measure of your approval before God. Busyness does not mean you're accepted. It's not how much we are doing. But what God is inviting us to do. And I needed to say that because doing stuff is important for the kingdom, right? But it's not simply about how much stuff you're doing. Actually, for some of you, the biggest gift you need to give yourself is learning to say no, even to your pastor. No, pastor, I, no is enough for an answer. Don't even explain other things. 
Does Haman know? No is enough of an answer. Some of you, you need to learn that. You're going to be used in your own life. Learn to say no. No is enough of an answer. No is enough of an answer. No is enough. It's not how much we're doing, but what God is inviting us to do. So what is God inviting you to do? Say yes to that. Say yes to that. Performance does not mean valued. We are valued because of grace, not because of what we do. And you know, that sounds so cool, but that's not our reality. You know what I mean? Like we're like, yeah, I think I agree with that in church, but I'm going to walk out and still perform so I get the value I need in my life. Then, you know, we're entrepreneurs, a bunch of us, so, so we know that we got to bring value in the things that we sell. So, so what we do in our talk and the stuff we're watching is don't, s- don't sell people your product. Sell the problem you have solved and show them the value. So, so we copy it's that and put it in our heart and see that's, that's God you saved me, but look how much I can bring to the kingdom and how comfortable and profitable the kingdom will be because I'm in there. God is like, you know, your righteousness is still filthy rags apart from Christ, right? Like what you bring to the table is still messed up unless Christ is the one who's leading and living in you and the one who is ordering your steps. You are valued because God made you, because God knows you, because God is working in you. You're not valued because you're doing stuff. God did not wait for you to have a perfect life to send his son. So his son is more convinced that he can only come because one day you're going to get saved. That's not how it works. For God loved and sent and came, laid down his life. Even when he knew you were going to be someone who gets their value from what you do. Not steal what he did for you. That Jesus still came. Even when it was so clear, you can't. And you're like, okay, so if I say the prayer, can I still can, you know? Can I still do? Can I still bring something to the table? And God is like, no, no. Maybe it's because you haven't experienced true love that you're still thinking you have to end your way to God in a church through the stuff you do. Maybe if we could only come and see what God says about love. How God describes love. Because, because in this passage from verse 4, starting next week, you see God inviting us to not just a definition, to like an actual lifestyle. To, to, this is how love looks. Like, yeah, but it's not a father feeling. It's not sexy enough for me. It's not, it's not, and God is like, no, 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 no. Don't build your entire life on an idea of love that is not from God. Yeah? 
So this is a rabbit trail. Don't, don't lose me. A lot of us, we're still at a place where the love we are looking for will be found when we meet a person other than the person of Jesus Christ. So we are looking and we are looking. So what happens is we have a place of demands, a.k.a. standards. Hey, We have standards, people. So we take those standards to a human. And we say, you're going to be my all in all. You're going to be my best friend. You're going to be my best business mate. You're going to be, you're going to be. And we leave things in their hands. And we say, you meet those things. And I'm going to be around. But the day you mess up one of those, I'm going to walk away and look for another person that I can give the same demands, a.k.a. standards. And if they can't, I'm going to pray, 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 and God will send someone that I will get married to. And when they don't meet, I'm going to go back to the court and ask for divorce and go back in that side find that someone who is supposed to meet my demands. The way we have built what love is is not only toxic, it's not sustainable. A human being cannot meet all your needs. That should be on the table. Because a lot of us have turned our spouses, our boyfriends, our girlfriends, our brothers, our cousins, or whoever it is, into people that should meet the only things humans can meet plus the things that God can meet. So we put them on a person, and, and you get out of a relationship, and all you feel is exhausted. You're like, man, I was, I was like in a camp. And there's zero joy, there's zero peace. You're afraid to even commit to anything because you carried stuff you were not supposed to carry. So, so the next few weeks, and I said last week, we don't push for product, we don't push for stuff here. But if you can, come and learn what love looks like. You'll be glad you did. You'll be glad you did. And I'm going to do something that I normally don't do. I'm going to challenge you to do certain things to stop certain things, to start certain things. And, and I want you to try it. I want you to really try it. I want you to take it seriously. I want you to trust God with your life. Because no matter what it is, our world still defines importance by how you are gifted, how busy you are, how effective or eloquent you are. But God defines our importance. God defines who we are based on our loves. And that, that is a big deal. That is a big deal. Now, I'm going to read this passage a little bit 
one more time. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I am a nosy gong or a clanging cymbal. When these guys heard that, they remembered their days of worshiping idols and going to the temples and making loud noises that can hurt your ear because maybe the gods could not hear you unless you made a little bit louder, louder. And Paul said, you remember those days? Remember how empty that worship of those idols was? If your life is simply about gifts, you are not different from that time of making these good things your idols, the important things. We have turned gifts, we have turned people into our mini gods because these are the things maybe that are a little bit more helpful to us. And we're going and this clanging noise, it's a gong, it's a clanging when if I have prophetic powers and I understand all mysteries and all knowledge and then I have all faith so as to remove the Sochi mountain and the Mulanji mountain to move close to our house. If I have all that but I have not love, I am nothing. And if I sacrifice myself to be burned, to be crucified, to go on the cross for the sake of whatever reason, but I do not love. I've gotten all it wrong. Love, in God's estimation, is the bottom line. If we have love, we have everything. If we have love, we have everything, but if we do not have love, we have nothing. In a spiritual gift we may have, even if we have it to the maximum, is not as important as showing love. Even if you become the measure of how gifted people are supposed to be, but do not have love, you have nothing. Love takes precedence over spiritual gifts. Love is a key to humbling the Christian who has great spiritual gifts and exhorting the Christian who has lesser spiritual gifts. That's it. If you don't feel gifted, love is your greatest treasure. If you feel gifted, love is your greatest treasure. Your stuff, things you've accumulated, things you can do, they're empty. They're empty. We were chatting with Ian the other day and Lindsay. And Ian at the end just dropped this line. And I was like, you know, I've, I've really thought about this sermon on, on First Corinthians and the last verse that says, I'm going to read it because it's cool. So now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of this is love. And it's like I, I've wrestled with this question. And this is a place where I got to. That when I see Jesus, I won't need faith. Because he will be right there with me. When I'm with Jesus, I won't need hope. Because hope is right there with me. But I will need love. So I can marvel and love God for the rest of my life. 
what am I saying? What I'm saying is all this stuff you have valued above love, they're exhausting because they're empty. The reason why you still feel like you need more stuff is because of how empty those stuff is. Jesus is inviting you to consider his way of love. To consider his way of love. Not your comfortable, because life is complicated way of how you've defined what love is for you. Next week we're going to talk about love is patient. We're going to have Ian and Lindsay share their hearts out. And I'm excited. These guys have been married 37 years. And that's a lot of patience with one another. That's all I'm saying. You don't want to miss that. Married 37 years, bro. Some, a bunch of you are not even that close, you know. <laughs> They've been patient with each other more than you've been alive. That is a really big deal. All right, let me pray for us. Jesus, we love you and we thank you. Thank you for being with us. Thank you because you are faithful. We trust you. Help us love you. Amen. What is holding you from loving God and loving people? What are the things that you're doing right now that are just noise, clanging cymbals? They're, they're just loud, but they're empty. What are the things you have valued with your life that are literally empty? They're not love. They're just stuff. They're just activities. What are those things that you value more than loving people? What are those things? Those are noise. What are the things that you're doing that are just noise? How are you defining what love is? How are you doing that? We're going to sing a song called Great is Thy Faithfulness. And, and that reminds me of a verse in Lamentations 3. Because of the Lord's grace, we are not consumed. His mercies are new every morning. His compassion never fails. Great is God's faithfulness. His compassion never fails. His mercies are new daily. Great is God's faithfulness. So as we're singing this song, we have communion cups and bread at the back. I want you to, after the second verse, you just stand up, go grab a cup, and come back to your seat. And we're going to share in the demonstration of love that God has given us. Amen? <laughs>